take action and be creative right now. In this kind of climate of real estate, be creative. And I think deals are going to be coming pretty soon. I don't know how much the forbearance is going to underline bringing the properties out there, but if you can act fast and you know what you're looking for, be aware of your market, go into the micro of it. Right. So, I mean, I'm one mile with all my houses. I know what my rents are. I'm kind of controlling it for ADUs. That's fully private. There's no apartment or somebody next door to you or on the other side of the wall creating this privacy. I don't think a lot of people are doing it. Now the movement is happening with ADUs. It's huge because people are seeing it for 200,000, 100,000 that they dump into their own property. It brings the value up almost double the investment that you put in. This is the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan, where we interview local real estate investors and professionals to go over tips, tricks, and investing strategies to help you learn about the business and to enable you to achieve your financial goals. And now, welcome to the show. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. Today, we have Shiraz Ali. Shiraz is an investor based in Washington who got his start in real estate investing by house hacking a fourplex by living in one unit and renting out the rest. By using this strategy, Shiraz has been able to rapidly boost his investment portfolio by buying more properties and then renovating the units himself. By buying and investing locally, he's become a master of his market who can quickly tell if a deal is good or bad. So if you want to learn more about house hacking and how you can use this strategy to quickly boost the equity in your properties, then you need to listen to this episode. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with a friend and leave a five-star rating on the podcast. It'll really help us a lot. And if you're looking for a hard money loan for your fix and flip projects, or if you're looking for a 30-year fixed loan to scale your rental portfolio, you can contact me at sean at everythingrei.com. That's S-E-A-N at everythingrei.com. And now, on to the show. Okay, Shiraz, thank you so much for being on the show today. Go ahead and introduce yourself and let us know who you are and tell us what you do. My name is Shiraz Ali, and I'm located in Tacoma, Washington right now. And I started investing in real estate from 2019, the summer of 2019. And now I'm progressively growing my portfolio within what I call the pandemic purchases. So yeah, looking to grow my portfolio and go from there. What type of investing do you do primarily? Right now, as it sits, I'm buying single family and then I house hacked fourplex. So you currently live in a fourplex? Correct. Yeah. And you house hacked the other units? Yes, correct. Yeah. So I bought two single family homes that I converted two car garages into ADUs. And then I built that and saw the value of that in my area because the rental market was pretty hot in Tacoma, Washington. Everybody was moving out of Seattle. So I took leverage of that and converted the garages and found my little niche and now kind of known for it and just look out for that. So yeah, I'm trying to grow my portfolio and house hacking as it sits and made my lifestyle free. So me and my wife are now starting to work to our freedom number. That's awesome. So do you work full time now or are you just doing this full time? Yeah, I'm a biomedical calibration engineer full time. So Monday to Friday, I'm out there on the streets, uh, basically a road warrior all around the West Coast. I cover eight states. So while doing that, I'm still doing renovations. I'm very hands on in my renovations. I was blessed with my dad with a lot of experience in all trades, electrical, plumbing, tiling and all that. And plus my grandfather's, they're carpenters. So got a lot of knowledge passed down. So I was able to apply it and bring myself up to this and excited to see where it goes as I start getting hands off and working on my business instead of in my business. I think that's really cool because as a flipper myself, I think one of the biggest problems that I had was that I had no construction experience. 
So if I ever worked with a contractor, I would have no idea of what the true scope of work required. You know, like how hard is it to put up a new drywall? For me, this seemed like some crazy task. Like, oh my God, I have to bust down walls. And then when you actually see it, do it, you're like, okay, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, definitely. When you're new at it, I was kind of scared. I always had my dad there and with COVID being closed before this, we flipped a house in just north of Seattle and Edmonds area. And we flipped a house together and we did it within six months, which we scoped out and we got quotes for it. It was about 60 grand and we were able to do it for 15. So <laughs> definitely we were able to put in a sweat equity, got that back out. But then this time with COVID and my dad living up in Canada, he wasn't able to come down. So I've been tackling these ADUs on my own and really let me stand on my own feet and pretty proud of where I'm at today. And I have a supportive wife that encourages it. And my parents are always there for me. So it's nice to see that, like you're saying, if you don't know the scope of work, once you learn it, I mean, installing cabinets for the first time was, I was nervous, but hey, it came out beautiful. So yeah, I mean, yeah, always attempt it. Yeah. So here's what my girlfriend and I were planning on doing. We actually purchased a really small property out of state. And we plan on practicing on that property by, you know, going there and potentially working with the contractors, you know, being responsible and socially distancing, of course. But it's good to, like, be able to go there and get some hands-on experience yourself. And it's better to practice on these smaller properties versus, you know, spending $100,000 on a flip here in the Bay Area and then potentially risk losing millions of dollars. Definitely, definitely. Bay Area is expensive. I lived out there while I was going to university and then ended up staying in the Bay Area. And I know how expensive it is out there. And same thing, I'm in an expensive market. I've looked at out of state, but I like the cash flow and the equity appreciation. So I kind of nestled myself to the degree that I make a decent W-2 that I'm able to purchase out here, even in a higher priced market. But like you're saying, if you're able to purchase out there a cheaper, smaller property, the best thing is to do is get at it and see how it goes. I mean, what's the worst thing that's going to cost you another piece of drywall for $13 and you turn around and you've learned a skill, right? Exactly. And what I would recommend is always hire a professional for pay them for the hour to come in and look at your work, ask them to critique it and like electrical. Hey, how do I hit install this outlet? And they'll tell you, this is the ground. This is what they're looking for. And once you learn that skill, and they critique it, they test it out, you feel more confident with the $100, the value that you get back. Now you can go inspect your properties when you're getting somebody else to flip it. Exactly. And more importantly, I know like when they tell me it takes three weeks to do a certain job and I'm like, uh, no, it takes like two hours. What are you talking about? Yeah, I've had some outrageous ones too. They're like, oh yeah, it's going to take three weeks to do uh, hot water replumbing and all this. And that. I was like, and I did it in a day and a half. So <laughs> when I look at that, I'm like, no, there's no way. <laughs> so definitely you got to be knowledgeable. And, and the best thing, like you're saying, you want to touch it so that you're aware so that you don't get taken advantage of. Because this industry goes super fast and people are, time is money, right? So you don't want to lose on that. That's right. So how did you end up going to Washington in the first place? Why did you leave the Bay Area? So I was born and raised in Canada, and all my family lives just north of Seattle, so in Vancouver, Canada. And I had an opportunity. I started working for the biomedical company, and it gave me a leverage to move out here. And I looked at it, and I was like, yeah, it brings me closer to family. It brings me back home, and I, I'm not scared of the weather. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, Seattle's gray and dark. And I'm like, nope, uh, I'm okay with it because – I, all my friends are here. I was born and raised here. So it just brought me where I would say is back home and just on the other side of the border. <laughs> but yeah, I, I went to, like I mentioned, I went to school and university out in California and ended up staying and I got hired by a company and 
just loved it. I loved the lifestyle. I always saw myself traveling and going away for school before I even graduated. And then I ended up in California where I wanted to be and got great opportunities there. And then it just this opportunity came about and I was like, I need to stop working some way. Nice. I need to make my money work for me. And when that epitome hit me and I was like, oh yeah, okay, this is what's going to work. Where is Tacoma relative to like Seattle? It is uh, about 25 minutes to 30 minutes south. It does have a little peninsula. So it's just south of Seattle. It's in between Olympia, which is the capital, and Seattle itself, the hub. But yeah. It, My roommate used to live in Olympia. His family's from there. So I guess I know they are. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just in between them. And uh, yeah, it's perfectly situated. I never looked at Tacoma when I first moved up here. I was like, oh, that's the south side. And everybody says that. I've learned to love it because now I got water views from sitting out where I'm sitting in my fourplex. All my tenants are good profile. Knock on wood. I take pride on that. I have great tenant profiles. Everybody has, when I first started, they had better credit scores than me. (laughs) So, I mean, I feel privileged that I have good people that taking care of my property at the same time. I'm with them. I'm touching base with them. As soon as they ask, like even one of my tenants turned around and she's like, I would have to wait three days for something to be repaired. And I was up there within two hours, changed out a bathroom fan. And she's like, this is great. She's like, I love this. And I was like, yeah, I'm here. I'm a small property owner, property management company that I'm willing to take care of this. And I like that feel. I like that touch. And so being in this Tacoma area definitely blew my mind. And now that people are moving away from the cities, Tacoma ended up being a highly appreciated city compared to all the other ones because everything else is overpriced around there because of Microsoft and we got Google and a lot of biotechnology downtown. So a lot of people are moving away because they can work from home. So all my properties so far have gone up in value about 100,000 within the last six months. Nice. So I'm pretty happy about that and excited to see where it goes, plus the value adds that I'm putting in. Mm-hmm. It's funny because I think most people who get into real estate, they love the like idea of passive income where they can just kind of hand it off to a property manager and not have to worry about getting a call from a tenant about you know leaky toilets in the middle of the night. But I think it's like we were mentioning that maybe these people don't know how easy or difficult it is to replace that toilet and they don't want to be hassled. But if you already go in there with the mindset that, yeah, this is something that I want to do anyway, and I know I'm creating a lot of value by doing this, then it's totally worth it to go in there and help your tenants, right? And do something really quickly. And since you're doing it, you can do it at a really cheap price. Definitely. And as soon as I buy a property, I try to take care of deferred maintenance that was left behind or try to bring it up to par to the new age look and everything. So at that time, I'm trying to tackle all the things that I could foresee that's going to happen. But at the same time, If something does happen, I'm not scared. Like an oven element went out and I was able to fix that for $22 within five minutes. When you look at that, you're like, oh no, I have to go change an uh, oven. Or if a property management company did not send an appliance guide, they just want the appliance replaced. You're losing $600 to $1,000, depends on the that. So for $22, it only took me five minutes to check that out and order the part that was needed and move me forward, right? So it's just working that way. I think being hands-on, right now I'm small. I can't speak of the guys that own large multifamilies, but like there is ways to save money, but at the same time be smart and giving your tenants that appreciative value that, hey, I'll take care of you because it's a people business at the end of the day, right? You're taking care of your property, but if you don't take care of your people, they're not going to take care of your property at the end of the day. Yeah. 
So what are the average like price points of your properties that you're buying them at? So originally when I bought the fourplex, it was about 700,000. And now it's a couple other ones in the area I've sold over a million. So it's gone up fairly nicely. And I bought this one as my first one. Funny story to that was uh, it was just on bigger pockets, starting to get into the podcast and everything. And I found you and I found a whole bunch of other people. And I hit add on every single one, anything related to real estate. And I thought I was going to do flipping, but I didn't enjoy the flipping side because just the taxes out here is you get the 6% hit for the real estate and agents and you get the 2% excess tax out here. And I just felt like my money evaporated very quickly. So I got away from the flipping aspect of it. And I was like, I need to buy and hold because this is longevity for me. So when I looked at that, I was like, okay, I'm going to reach out to somebody on bigger pockets. And I put it out there. I was like, any investor friendly, everybody's investor friendly on bigger pockets. So I turned around and I talked to two people and I'm so grateful. I'm, I linked up with the agent that I did. He turned around a week later and he's like, Hey, this one went off market. The lady has this fourplex and she's about to put it on market and I can toss it to you right now. And he's like, she won't take anything less than what she had it before, but she just put in $17,000 roof on it. And I was like, brilliant. Okay, let's go take a look at it. I made a decision within a day and I acted on it and I had no clue how to be a property manager. I didn't know what I was getting into and we ran the numbers and everything. And I turned around and I was like, okay, let's do it. Why not? I mean, at that point, I knew I had the ability to take care of repairs, but I didn't know what it would take to handle people as a tenant. But at this date, I was like, okay, I've learned enough. Let's put it into action. And I'm not scared for that. I'm pretty, uh, what I would say, gutsy in regards to taking chances and learning from that. I mean, I've lost it all at the same time. I've come back to where I am today. But yeah, price point, going back to that, is 700 This one's about a million now. The other ones are four. I bought them for three seventy-five and 400000 And then I converted those into ADUs, and they're appraising for like about 500 550 mm-hmm. So you converted the garages to ADUs, right? Correct. They're detached uh, two-car garages, and I go through the full permit process, and I learned how that was going. So yeah, it was all the ins and outs, and really... Uh, really uh, brought it up to par and started to build it on social media, trying to show it out there. But yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited and I'm putting out good product and all my tenants are super happy. So I'm blessed there. What does it cost to convert detached ADU or detached garage into an ADU if you're doing it yourself? The funny part is when I looked into it, downtown Seattle has just an impact tax alone of like 10 to 15,000 just to start off, meaning all the fire department, you got to impact the schools and the parks and parking and all this. So just that alone kind of scared me off. But then when I realized I'm in the uh, great area and kind of kind of keep it quiet to myself if I can. <laughs> but at the same time, yeah, I learned that it was only a thousand dollars a year. So just by calling, I called probably my utility department and the permit office like 40 times before I even pulled the trigger of doing it. So I just learned and talked to everybody. I'm not scared to speak I mean, I learned that from my mom. She's a great networker. So yeah, I put that out there where I just wanted to learn and I thought nothing was impossible. So putting it together, yeah, for myself, I've sourced out flooring. I've gone down to Portland to pick up cabinets. I've like driven all over the place and I'm not scared to put in the legwork. Like last night I was working till 5 p.m. my regular work and then I worked till 1130 at night doing the final handles and everything before the final inspection. So cost-wise for myself, it's about about twenty five to thirty thousand, but if I was to uh, subcontract it out, you're looking at about seventy. 
Yeah, that's about what I hear for uh, the same thing here in the Bay Area as well. Yeah. Between like, you know, 70 to 100,000 for detached conversion. Yeah. Are there any cost like plans and, you know, permit fees or is it just $1,000 for the impact fee? Oh, no, that was just the impact fee, but the permit itself was about five grand. And then obviously you got to get an architectural design and got to lay out all the logistics of like getting a new address and making sure that you're not crossing easements and right of ways. So you got to make sure you scope out for that. You got to make sure that you have enough parking for a new driveway for the new tenant. So once you look at all that, I'm able to see that. I Luckily, like I said, I have the eye for it where my parents and my family have shown me like how to scope out homes that way. But yeah, I was able to see that, hey, the power lines won't cost me much. Now I have all these contacts. And as soon as I got into the first one, I let them know, hey, I'm planning to do more and I want to do the right thing. So I let the utilities, the electrical guys know, hey, can I call you ahead of time before I buy this house? And can you give me a rough range? Is it going to cost me like this one? The latest one cost me $675 just for a new power drop-in, which is not bad. Whereas most people are like close to four to 8,000, depends. And if they have to go under, uh, like what I learned was if they have to go underneath the trench and over here in Tacoma, we have a lot of back alleys. We would have to repave the whole back alley if it had to go underneath. So that's another twenty to thirty thousand on your budget if you don't know that. So de- definitely, definitely creating that network for me was substantial for these last two. And now I plan to go a little bit faster with the next purchases this year. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And how was it to just like dig out trenches to attach like a sewer line to these detached garages? Correct. Yeah. So what I do is I just Y into the front house. I get the permit for connecting the sewer and yeah, we dig 60 feet of trench, three feet deep. So all the way through, yeah, definitely some hard work to put in there, but it was a learning experience. Obviously I'm going to sublet that out next one, but yeah, it's a, you got to have that spacing. You got to have a clear right of way. You're not crossing gas lines. You're not crossing anybody else's lines underneath because these are older homes that I'm purchasing. They're like, my fourplex is from 1895. It's a craftsman. So definitely has that older prestige and has that look to it. The other ones are like in the 1920s and 1940s. So you've got to make sure what was ran underneath telephone wires even. So who uses telephone nowadays? But you definitely got to watch out for that when you're digging and all that. So I try to be careful and I want to do the right thing. So yeah, yeah. I mean, digging the trench, it sounds like it's easy. Just bring a backhoe. No, you got to be careful and you got to make sure that you're running your new sewer lines properly. Yeah. Is that like the most expensive part of doing a detached ADU? I would say plumbing's up there. Yeah. Plumbing would be my highest cost. Electrical wasn't too bad. I I was able to, I have electrical engineering degree, so that wasn't too bad. I was able to do everything up until the breaker and then the breaker panel had to be a licensed contractor. So I was able to work that. So that's funny because I also have electrical engineering degree, but I don't think I could do electrical work. Like I'm not confident with that stuff, you know? Once you learn it, like I said, if you touch it enough, a couple times, you'll, you'll learn and you just got to respect electricity. That's the main thing. Okay. Yeah. Respect electricity. Don't get shocked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very nice. So where did you find your other deals? Are they all like off market listings from your agent? That was the only off market. The rest were all sitting on market. We just lucked out with that one. And I called him probably like in April and I was like, Hey, I'm ready to buy another one. And he looked over and he's like, Hey, this one's been sitting on the market and the lady wants to move. And he's like, I think we can get it as a discount. And from hearing a lot of podcasts and hearing a lot of people hit low if you can, right? And it was listed for about 
45,000 above what I got it for. So I lucked out pretty good there. So I, yeah. And that one, a day after I rented both units and just got paint guys in there and knocked it out and it's been rented ever since. And then literally five months after that, I bought the latest one, which was in August. And that one's a full garage conversion. And I'm completing that probably end of this week, February 1st is my goal. Yeah. Awesome. How are you financing these properties? Like you mentioned, when you first got started, you had, you know, quote unquote, lower credit score than some of your tenants. And I mean, I know people who are struggling to even buy their primary residence. You have like three properties. How, how are you doing that? I never thought it was possible. Like growing up, I always thought like, hey, buy one house for your forever or at least 10 years to sit in while you have kids and all this. When I looked at it, I was still single at that time. And I looked at it and I was like, okay, how do I pull this trigger? And I looked at it and I called my broker and luckily I connected with the right broker. He's done all my deals so far. And he turns around, he's like, Shiraz, we can do this one for 3.5%. Let's go. Let's figure it out and we'll get you house hacking. And he's like, if you can raise rents enough, you live technically for free. And we did. We raised rents and the lady that owned it did not have it high enough. And what I did was I painted, put new flooring, put new cabinetry in there. And I was able to raise it about 250 per door. So bringing that, that was $700 right there. And my three tenants pay my mortgage plus extra for me to live. (laughs) So they're paying my utilities living in the home that I'm living in right here. And it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to see. And that's what drove me. That's what gave me the fire is like, if I can do this, how do I look at all the other homes? Now a three bedroom would rent for this. And then I was like, I have the knowledge to do an ADU. Let's do this. So then I rented the front homes whenever the last two that I purchased, I rented the front homes right away. And so then that's cash flowing and that's paying the mortgage. So there's nothing coming out of my pocket. And then I turn around and I use my own money in regards to the investing right now. I need to get into the burr side of it, which my goal is now the fourplex has been sitting and situated with good equity into it. I'm going to refinance it and pull that. And that's going to elevate me to the next couple going forward. But the first couple, I'm been like I used my own money, three point five percent, like I said, for the fourplex, and then the last one was conventional twenty percent, and then the one in the middle was I used as that as my primary for one year, so I got five percent down for that as a conventional. Gotcha. So for a fourplex, do you want to kind of go over how you're able to buy a fourplex for three point five percent? Like, how does that whole process work? Luckily, my broker and my agent were both familiar with it, lucked out with them, shout out to them. They did great work. But yeah, they were able to say, hey, if your rents are able to do this, the rents have to cover for an FHA, rents have to cover the mortgage to a certain percentage in order for them to allow it for FHA. Because qualifying as an FHA, it's almost like you're not familiar with doing regular housework which I was, and both of those guys knew it. But at the same time, they're like, we need to make it a praise for that and show what it's going to be valued at with the new rent increases. So they were able to work that. And the funny thing is my appraisal came in 10 grand lower. Mm. So we looked at it and I was like, well, if it came 10 grand lower and then the kick that way, he turned around, he's like, let's just, Shiraz, can you figure out how to come up with that 10 grand? And I was like, no. And then my agent turned around, he's like, I'll toss in five. And I was like, I could toss in five. So, I mean, working with those guys and literally that was the first deal that I've done with them. Without a doubt, they've, they're my guys right there. So my agent without the last two 
he's gotten commission just straight because I found the deals on MLS and then the other one he found it and brought it to me and I was like, let's go. And I mean, if you do good to people, I think it comes back. I believe in karma that way. So, I mean, he helped me out that $5,000. He's got me for life until, or my, or my 10 golden tickets and then 10 golden tickets for my wife too. Right. So yeah, definitely. He's got 20 there. The reason why I asked is because I'm actually helping some people who are buying their, their property to house hack, very similar to what you're doing. Like they want to buy a fourplex here in the Bay area. You know, probably can't afford something in like the South Bay, but maybe in the East Bay, like in Hayward or Oakland. Yep. And by going through the FHA process, I actually learned a lot of things. Like I didn't know that your rents have to cover the PITI. I didn't know that. So it's not just that you have 3.5% to then pay for the, you know, $1.5 million for your loan amount. The rents have to cover that PITI. So Correct. Yeah. And then you have to show a reserve also. Oh, is that right? What kind of reserve do you have to show? Yeah, I think it's three months. You have to show a three months reserve with the FHA if you're putting that little down. Yeah. It's just for security purposes. If one of your tenants move out and you're not able to do the work, you're able to cover it. Mm-hmm. And mortgage companies want some kind of backing also, right? And especially, like I said, FHA, they figure that you have not changed out an outlet. You have not changed out a toilet or any of that small natures, right? So when it comes down to it, I call it small, but <laughs> that's because I'm doing full renovations. But I mean, when it comes down to it, like that's a $150, $200 job for somebody to come in to do it. But if you don't have that reserve, that's what they're looking for. So definitely want to have that. I was blessed to have a good job that shows good income. And then now as the fourplex stacked onto my tax return, it made me more credible. And then I just cleaned up my credit a little bit and compared to where I came from. Yeah, definitely <laughs> brought me forward. Yeah. That's great. Any concerns with like paying PMI or any, anything like that? That's my goal is obviously I'm paying PMI on the fourplex. I'm house hacking it. So yeah, saving that, that's going to just give me more income towards my cash flow. So taking off that right now, I think it's $384 a month. That's just going to property insurance, right? For myself, for putting a low down payment. But now that I have the equity itself built into it without a, me putting that much down, that's huge. Yeah. So it is doable from my understanding. I thought it was not like, hey, I'm going to have to pay this for the next 10 years, then it could fall out. But no, it's doable within a year and a half. I only bought this in June, 2019. Just refinance it refinance it. And, and now listening to it, yeah, definitely thought about the Burr idea, but I didn't realize that I could do it that fast. But one single guy out here now with a wife and a kid on the way, it's definitely now it's making me accelerate and realize how to utilize that feature, which is powerful, powerful from what I'm hearing on your podcast and 10 others, right? What are you doing? How much are you renting all the units out for at the moment? Two bedrooms are going for about uh, almost 1500 and then the one bedrooms are about twelve to thirteen hundred, depends on the location. Okay. So yeah, and then I got the two big larger houses, which is four bedroom, two bath. And that one's twenty five hundred, and then the one bedroom, two bath is at nineteen hundred. So is the plan to continue scaling in this fashion, where you're buying like single family homes and adding in ADUs or maybe multifamily properties and renting out the different units? Yeah, funny you bring that up. I look every day on. All your basic MLS, uh, Redfin, Zillow, Realtor. I'm on it every day looking for deals and the deals are just dry. Just like your market probably is just dry out there. But you got to be creative. And that's where I kind of niche myself. And now I feel confident doing 
ADU conversion. So at this point in time, I would say, yeah, I'm going to continue buying single family because you just can't find duplexes that will cash flow at the rate that they're going at today. So to, to make that dollar value work, it is worth it for me to put in that extra 30, 40,000 and get that return of a hundred grand in equity afterwards. Yep. You know, it's funny because when you're first getting into real estate and you buy a property and then it appreciates like crazy, just like what happened to you, you're like, yes, all the properties I bought appreciated. But then you think, damn, all the properties, all the good deals are gone because they all appreciate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's a double-sided sword, as they say, because yours came up, but so did everybody else's. So <laughs> you definitely have to take the good with the bad. But I mean, it's not a bad case scenario. What I would say is if you're cash flowing, that extra cash that's coming in, the thousand dollars or whatever it is that you're cash flowing, it's able to leverage you to, that's $12,000 a year that you can put towards another down payment. And that moves you. I don't know if I'd go out of state. Like I hear about the phenomenal deals that people are buying in Indianapolis and Missouri for like 20, 30,000 and putting in only 10 grand to renovate it. I looked at that and I was like, I could buy that cash. And I'm like, I just, I'm not feeling comfortable enough yet. I would say I'm not putting it out of the, out of the sales for myself, but yeah, definitely just not yet. I like to touch it. All my properties are less than a mile apart. So I kind of feel like I've niched myself and kept my rental portfolio in this area. So what I'm what I'm looking to do is now start when I refinance the fourplex, I want to take it all to a local bank and a credit union and have them oversee it so that they can see my growth pattern. So I have that leverage. Okay. Awesome. Just to let you know we also do loans like that. So you can feel free to send over our way. Coventus, I've heard it every single podcast. I'm definitely going to reach out to you. Yeah. So what would you say like a new investor should be doing if they want to do something similar to what you have? Look at the market, be creative. That's my biggest thing is, and take action. I think I've talked to multiple people that want to get into real estate and that want to start investing. And we were talking about this in 2018 and I've acted so far and it looks like people want to do it is just pulling the trigger. And the first one, like I said, my flip, I learned on that, doing that with my dad, I didn't make very much on it. I made only like $12,000 walking out of it. And I thought I was going to hit like 40,000 walking out of it. And it just, the market turned a little bit in 2018. And then 2019, I was able to get this thing. And I'm blessed that it worked out that way. So yeah, take action and be creative right now. In this kind of climate of real estate, be creative. And I think I think deals are going to be coming pretty soon. I don't know how much the forbearance is going to underline bringing the properties out there. But if you can act fast and you know what you're looking for, be aware of your market, go into the micro of it. Right. So, I mean, I'm one mile with all my houses. I know what my rents are. I'm kind of controlling it for ADUs. That's fully private. There's no apartment or somebody next door to you or on the other side of the wall creating this privacy. I don't think a lot of people are doing it. Now the movement is happening with ADUs. It's, it's huge because people are seeing it for 200,000, a hundred thousand that they dump into their, their own property. It brings a value up almost double the investment that you put in. Mm-hmm. Is there any concern with like parking spaces now that you have an ADU instead of a garage? We always scope it out. So what it is, is if the garage is sitting on one side, definitely we, we gravel the other side. We pour that and then we make sure that it, that's enough spacing for a vehicle. Okay. So they have their own little driveway. Correct. For that. Okay. Correct. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, I definitely agree with you where you need to niche down. And I think you're in the best situation where you are there 
with your properties. A lot of the people who listen to the show, they actually have to invest out of state because they can't afford to just buy a bunch of rental properties in the Bay Area within one mile of each other. Like that's like the dream situation, but you just can't afford it. So the next best thing is to just, you know, invest out of state and it may be a market, uh, maybe an expert in a market far away. True. I was lucky enough to put myself in this situation. And I thank again, my real estate agent to bring me to this and open my eyes. Like he's like, Hey, this place is going to start blowing up. You need to be here now. And now that I see it, I was like, I don't want to leave. <laughs> I want to keep on buying and get closer and closer to the water where I could be even there. Right now I got views. I want to be able to be like less than a two minute walk if I can. But I mean, when you look at it, it's when you understand your market, you understand what's happening. It definitely you got to realize like some, some like the eviction uh, moratorium and all this that's happening. You got to be aware of what kind of tenants you're putting in there because they can make and break you. What I've realized. And I've heard of other people. I'm on Facebook groups and stuff like that. And I'm hearing like the horror stories that are happening. And I would look at my tenants and I put on my Instagram, I was like, Hey, it only takes like a $5 flower to give during Christmas or Thanksgiving and thank your tenants. And what is that? That's nothing to you in a $40, $50 payment out there, but your tenants feel appreciated. And what that happens is when I'm away, they're taking care of it. My tenants will take out the garbage without me asking them if I'm not there on Thursday nights. So it's a blessing in disguise if you just look out for the small things. Mm -hmm. Is it weird at all living near your tenants? I know some people who do the house hacking with fourplexes, they tend to like pretend like they are not the landlord. I, I was saying that I'm just a property manager. I started off by saying that. They obviously realized that pretty quickly that I was the owner because I was making some big moves. I was doing all the gardening and cleaning out all that. So it went from property manager to now that they're full-time here. And now that I've turned over the tenants to the profiles that I like of them, I'm very clear. Hey, I'm the owner here. I'm going to take care of you and anything you need. But then at the same time, we've got to respect the lines and use the app that we're using and submit maintenance requests there, do all your payments there. Not, I don't want you to knock on my door and give me a payment that way. Or I don't want you to run to me and tell me, hey, something's happening unless it's an urgent matter. So yeah. there is that respect guidelines that we establish and it is in the lease. Yeah. What app are you using to have them pay you? By far, all my tenants love it and it's cozy. Okay. Yeah, I'm small enough to use it. I've heard great things about Stessa and other ones, but Cozy, I upload the leases right away. I'm able to see their insurances and maintenance requests right there. I have no problems and my tenants love it and I'm going to continue on with them as far as I can go. How much does it cost to use Cozy? Zero dollars a month. Oh, really? Yeah, it's free. That's awesome. So I guess it's made for these small landlords who just have a couple of tenants. Just got acquired by apartments.com. So I could see there's going to be a fee coming soon, I would say within the next six months. But definitely, it's a great platform, super easy. Everything's there. I mean, my accountant loves it because we're able to see it and transfer showing the profits right there and how much I actually spent on maintenance. So and I'm very diligent about replying back within 48 hours on my maintenance request. And that way, the tenants can see anything that is needed on there. And then I could send it out to all the tenants at once. Hey, your laundry filters need to be changed out. I'm going to come by within this week. And that's all three properties. So I send it out to everybody that way. Yeah, that makes sense. That's awesome. Yeah. Have you had any big horror stories or big lessons learned from your experience so far? Not in real estate, I would say. But when I first started off, I was a part of a 
my, my family owned businesses and we kind of lost in the run. And that was a great lesson for me to see from going from good growing business to zero dollars. And that put me in a position where I had to live in my buddy's garage for about a year and a half. So I lived in his garage. We put up drywall and I put a twin mattress in there <laughs> and lived in there because just the circumstance took me to that. So when I saw zero dollars and I had my, I went to go buy Subway and I got declined and I couldn't understand what happened, but yeah, I had zero dollars. And now to see that I'm able to purchase homes and the price point that I'm buying it at, I'm not buying $30,000 homes. My down payments are like a hundred grand. So when I look at it, I'm like, yeah, I've come up and I'm never going to touch that bottom. Right. I mean, <laughs> it's exhilarating at the same time, but it's humbling because you know what you shouldn't do. But at the same time, it's like, you know, your growth is infinite because there's no way that somebody's going to stop me now. What well, even if I have to sell a home, I'm not losing. What am I going to lose? It's only a dollar value to me. And even if the market turns, it's not going to hurt me as much as what that lesson taught me. So horror stories that way. I mean, I think that's what made me a little bit more gutsy little bit more uh, out there in regards to taking action. It brought me to the point where I'm able to see that, hey, I could have 10 of these homes within the next five years and 10 homes at the cash flow rates that I'm doing. I could see us hitting our freedom number and me spending time with my kids eventually. Yeah. From that experience where I guess your parents' business didn't go so well, what do you think was like the key takeaway that kind of led to that circumstance? And what are you trying to do in your business to prevent same place? Correct. Yeah. I mean, I, I really analyzed it. It took me, I would say about a year, year and a half to really step back and see what was going on. And what it is, is I'm responsible for what I could do. So I guess that's where it came down to where I'm able to see and touch everything that I'm doing in my own business. And when it comes out to it, it brings my business a lot more accountability when the guy is there. My subcontractors are like, you're here every day with us. I was like, why wouldn't I be? It's my hard-earned money, let alone it's my project and I'm a part of you guys. So the success, if you guys need questions answered, I'm not delaying it. I'm going to come after work after five o'clock and touch base with you and see where you're at every day. I have no problems of putting in the legwork right now. And in the future, never know. But like what that taught me was to really put in the effort and see where it goes. It's not that my parents neglected it or anything of that nature, but it's the circumstance of where their business partnership ended in a certain manner and it would just didn't work out. So that's looking back on that hindsight, it was a blessing in disguise for me because what that did was I'm able to provide for my family. And my goal is the next year to give my parents back that, like, you know what I mean? Like give them the feeling that, Hey, I could provide for them just by me learning that lesson through their business. So it, it moves me forward and yeah, I'm willing to tackle a lot more because I'm able to touch it. I would say. And you said earlier that your goal is to maybe have 10 of these properties within the next five years. Do you have like a financial freedom number that you have in your mind or maybe in your wife's mind that once you hit this goal, you can kind of leave W2 and kind of do this full time? Yeah. So right now my wife's, we're expecting our first child in, in about four weeks here. So super excited. Congratulations. 
Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, super excited for that. But yeah, we sit down for the last two years of, and we plan out our future. What do we want to do? Where do we want to go? And Brandon Turner does that on Bigger Pockets, and I know other other guys are doing that. But where we came out to was if we're averaging what we're averaging right now per home, we're about fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars per home. So we're doing pretty well because we're obviously managing our own properties. So we're not paying the eight percent out. But eventually we want to create a company for ourselves that we can self-provide our own property management there. And then obviously I'm doing the maintenance and I'm able to see the deferred maintenance at the same time. So I'm already scoping out, hey, this is going to cost this. So we do put aside money for the unforeseen things, but definitely we're about $1,500 per property and we want to touch 10, 10 to 15. And that will put us at like close to 10,000. Our golden number is 14,000. Because that would pay the four thousand would pay for our home, and then the ten thousand is cash flow. So, what that does is it releases me from my W two, and I can invest and keep on buying in the hot markets, in my market, in the expensive spots, right? So, if you're thinking about ten, that's one hundred twenty a year. So that's enough for even just one a year without even working. I'd be pretty happy with that outcome. That's awesome. Yeah, and like you said, maybe it'll take around five years if you just do it diligently and keep doing the same pace you're doing it. Yeah. And I've touched base with other investors, larger investors around here. And they're like, the energy and the vibe that you got going on, you're going to do it less than two to three years. And I, I was shocked when I bought the fourplex in 2019. And that was just one property. And I bought two last year. And my goal is already three for this year. And I'm on pace. I'm already striving and looking because I'm going to pull the trigger as soon as I find it. And I, And now I have what I would say my network and my net worth at the same time. So I have both of them behind me. I have my broker, I have my agent, but at the same time I have this compounding profitability from my passive income that is leveraging me to move a little bit faster. So that just blew my mind. I was like, wow, that's another 50 grand added to my salary. That's a down payment for just a conventional 10% down. Mm -hmm. That's easy around here. 500,000. That's not a cheap house either. So I'm buying substantially nice homes also, but then I'm not buying it for the home to renovate the main house. I'm looking at it for my niche, right? I'm looking at it to do my ADUs on it. Yep. That's perfect. Have you had any thoughts about what would happen after your, because I know that after like the fourth one or the 10th property, it gets a lot harder to get conventional financing. Do you have any thoughts about how you would do it afterwards? I would reach out to Conventus and, <laughs> and come to you. And uh, no, no, I just, but no, I would definitely cross that bridge there. But my lender right now has assured me that I could get five under my name, five under my wife's name. So that will move us forward for a good degree. And I'm sitting with my tax accountant so that we strategically plan that she gets a solid income also so that we can make leverage of that within the next two years. So okay. it, it's like, again, the, the net worth is equal to the network. So you got to keep those people close to you. And I see the value of it now. I never thought about it before. I was like, why do I need an accountant? I'll just do it myself on no, no, QuickBooks no. <laughs> and all this. And then when it hit me, I was like, no, like, <laughs> I don't know these loopholes. I don't know this. I don't know this. And it's allowed me to even give back to my community. I've given back to my mosque. I've given back to uh, um, the community runs and cancer care. So I feel good. I work in the cancer care with the biotechnology and I look at it and I'm like, I could give a little bit back 
And that helps me. And that makes me feel good. What that does is it provides me a different kind of energy. And that's how I feel the world needs to turn today, the way that it's sitting. We all need to take care of each other a little bit and pay attention to the down neighbor, right? Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Shiraz, this has been an amazing interview. Thank you so much for your time. Do you have any last minute tips for our listeners before we end our show today? One thing would be take action. Listen to as many podcasts as you can. Eventually to the point where you start recognizing, hey, I already kind of know where this person's headed. That's your time to pull the trigger because don't hesitate because you've got the knowledge. You're going to learn still going forward. But soon as you open the first door, you're going to learn a lot more. And then the questions change. So when the questions change, that's when your growth pattern becomes. But until you get to that point, read. I mean, I listen to tons of audiobooks. I drive a lot for work. And I used to listen to lots of music for like the last five years. And then last three years, I turned around and I was like, all podcasts, all audiobooks, And I've just blown my mind on it. It put me in a different degree. And me and my wife will drive up and we'll go somewhere and she'd be like, oh, let's turn on this podcast. Let's listen to this. And okay, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that she's feeling that energy because she wants to be a part of it. And she's seeing what, what it's doing for us. And it's leveraged our family to a different degree. I think Brian Tracy calls it university on wheels. So you just keep listening to it and you basically get a college degree. Yeah, YouTube, uh, a podcast, I would say audiobooks. I, I bet you that's probably the most educational thing that I've ever gone through. And no offense to my university, but yeah, definitely I've learned within the last year and a half a lot more knowledge than I could ever do with with anything else because the economics and the the flow of money and the currency of how it works is huge. That makes the world turn. Awesome. So Shiraz, how can people find you? I just started Instagram for my platform there. So it's sale with the double A-S-A-A-I-L invest on Instagram. And I'm going to start posting more on there and showing my ADU conversions. And I would like to highlight all that and show my network basically out there and put the guys on highlight, my broker, my real estate agent, my family that's taught me on the way. So I want to make it feel like a regular guy like me that's gone from zero has able to acquire $2.5 million in assets. And it feels good. It feels great from being rejected from Subway to this. I mean, like you said, Sean, it's the world is different and it's make pandemic your purchases, right? This is the time to leverage. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Shiraz, thank you again so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on the show. Yes. Thank you. And keep on putting out great podcasts. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find the show notes and other episodes on our site, everythingrei.com slash podcast. If you live in the Bay Area, join our meetup group, where we meet up twice a month in San Jose at meetup.com slash everythingrei. And if you thought this was a great episode, let me know what your key takeaway was and share it with a friend who's interested in real estate investing. Thanks and have a great day. This was another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star rating. It will only take a second and it'll help a lot. You can contact me at sean at everythingrei.com. That's S-E-A-N at everythingrei.com. Thanks and have a great day.